TII item 363, September 10th, 2015, iPhone 6S, 6S Plus, iPad Pro, and Apple TV 4th Gen. Welcome to Today in iPhone. Yeah, I like it a lot. Today in iPhone. Hey, Gullah! Oh, yeah. My beautiful iPhone, which I never have out of my hand and that I do everything with and has become an extension of who I am. This episode is sponsored by Trunk Club. Right now, the entire styling service is free. Even the shipping is free. Visit trunkclub.com slash TII. This episode is also sponsored by nextworth.com, where if you use promo code TII, you will get a $10 bonus on any iPhone 5, 5C, 5S, 6, and 6 Plus that you sell to them. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Rob, and this is the Today in iOS podcast. First up, I want to thank Stacy for sending in the music here in the background. Stacy wrote, Hi, Rob. I created this song called Newfound Planet with the app Korg Gadget, and the track was mastered with AudioShare. This is from my album Space Age Sonic Goodness, where all the music was created on an iOS device. You can find my music by searching for Spectral Sevenths, two words in Spotify. Regards, Stacy P. Thanks, Stacy, for the music. And folks, I will put the full song at the end of the episode. Also want to thank Mr. Sales for sending in the artwork for today's show. Mr. Sales said the following. Hi, Rob. Thanks for the opportunity to create a wallpaper for you again. I use the Quick app to create the text. Regards, Saul, a.k.a. Mr. Sales. Well, thanks, Mr. Sales, for sending in this artwork. And folks, you can find Mr. Sales' artwork in the free TI app via the bonus button for episode 363 or at Instagram.com slash todayinios and also as a standalone post in the VIP section and at Facebook.com slash todayinios. If you have some artwork and or music you have created on your iOS device that you would like to share with the audience, please email to me at todayinios at gmail.com. Please make sure to include which app or apps you use to create said artwork and or music. In this segment of How Wrong Were We, we have the following quote. Seems highly unlikely Apple would have an event with two new iPhones, three new iPads, and a new Apple TV, plus rollout of iOS 9. Yeah, just not seeing that all happen in a two-hour or an hour and a half event. Not, not, don't believe it, not going to happen. I would still bet on an October event for iPads with the probable announcement of an iPad Pro at that event and with an upgrade to the iPad Mini to the latest processor and 2 gig of RAM so as to better run iOS 9. Rob Walsh, 12th of August, 2015, today in iOS 3.5.8. Kevin, thanks for sending in that segment. Sadly, no new promo codes this week. Bad app or iBook marketer are you if you have a paid app and or iBook and did not send in the promo codes. A quick reminder, if you are an app developer or iBook author, email me if you want your app or iBook featured in the promo giveaway segment for free. We just need the five promo codes or more to give away. Simply email me at todayinios at gmail.com. Please include a 60-second or less audio review of your app or iBook indicating you are the dev or the author. Also, when you send in the promo codes, please make sure to let me know when they expire. Just a quick heads up, this week's episode I had to record from a hotel room on the road, a little bit different than my normal setup. I use the ATR2100 from Audio-Technica. By the way, the mic I'm using today, it's a USB and an XLR mic, 
And you can find it, well, at least you could find it uh, recently on Amazon for $40. So again, that's the ATR2100 mic. It's a nice USB and XLR combo mic. And I mention this because if you get the camera connection kit from Apple, you can actually connect it right into the lightning port on your iPhone 5 or later, and it will work right there. Again, combo with Boss Jock, and you've got a nice mobile recording studio. In this case, however, I did record into GarageBand via the USB into my MacBook, or I should say via USB into my MacBook, and then recorded into GarageBand like I normally do. All right, now let's get into the September 9th event. I could go over the event in the order that items were presented, but nah, not going to do that. Rather, I am going to talk about the product I have been waiting for the most, the fourth gen Apple TV. Finally. The Apple TV starts 52 minutes into the keynote, if you are going back and watching it in the future. Tim Cook started off talking about the TV experience and how stagnant it has been and how today Apple is going to do something about it. And Apple's vision for the future of TV, and, and this is apps. Tim said there are some key features that need to be in place for this to work. One, powerful hardware. Two, a modern OS. Three, new user experience. Four, developer tools. And five, an app store. Tim said they know this is what it takes to make a difference, and they have been working very hard and very long, with a little emphasis there on the long part, to a smattering of laughter. It was Tim's way of saying, yes, Rob, we know the Apple TV is overdue. Well, maybe not me specifically, but generically, me and all those of us that have been waiting for an Apple TV with apps and an app store. Eddie Q then came on to introduce the Apple TV and the TV specs. First up is the new remote, which, per the rumors, is both voice and touch controlled. The top part of the remote is a touch surface. The bottom part of the uh, is the buttons. The, the key new buttons that I am so happy to see <laughs> volume control. That's right. No more needing both the TV remote and the Apple TV remote. Just the Apple TV remote. That's all you need to take with you to bed. Hey, sometimes it's the little things like that that make me happy. Another new button is the Siri button, where you can now control the Apple TV with Siri, saying such things as, show me all the Star Wars movies, or less specific, such as, show me science fiction TV shows. But here is the best part of the search. Siri will not just give you search results sorted by popularity, but now when you go to look at a show that you want to view, one of the search results shows, it will also say what apps it is available from, such as iTunes, Hulu, Netflix, HBO, and Showtime, which right now are the ones that are available for it to search through. And more will be added over time. Hopefully, Amazon Prime is part of the more, and the time is not that far off in the future. How this works is, for example, you could say, show me the Goonies, and you would see what apps it's available in, and you can pick the one you already have a subscription with. This is, in my mind, one of the best new features, and will get even better as it supports more and more apps over time. On the sports side, I could see a lot of sports apps, packages are coming in, and you could say, show me the Dayton Flyers game. And it would show you what apps it is available on. 
Or an example they gave on Siri search was, show me the Modern Family episode with Edward Norton. And it takes you right to that episode. And then they showed another cool feature. You can ask Siri, what did they say? And Siri will jump you back 15 seconds and temporarily turn on captions. Sweet. Or as Musa D in the Google Plus community said, quote, as a person with some hearing loss, I like that what did they she say functionality that turns on closed captions in addition to skipping back 15 seconds. Nice, unquote. That one received a lot of applause. Another new feature with the remote, as rumored, it has a motion sensor. So yes, it's a game remote in competition with the Wii remote. But Rob, does that mean I need to buy another remote if I want to play a two-person game? Well, you might ask that, and I would say nope, because you can also use an iPhone or an iPad as an additional controller. Per the Apple TV OS, they are calling it TV OS, and there are developer tools with access to GameKit, Game Controller, Sprite Kit, Game Center, Core Graphics, Core Audio, Metal, and more. In other words, the things devs will need to make games for the Apple TV. But apps will be more than just games and media players. They also talked about apps from Airbnb, Zula, and the sh- there were also shopping apps. For devs, they are allowing universal apps. That means with a single purchase, the user gets the app on their Apple TV, their iPad, and their iPhone. That's nice for the end user, and that includes syncing of data between apps. So maybe you're playing on a universal game app on your iPhone at work. Not that such a thing could ever or would ever happen. Um, Then you get home, you can pick right up on uh, the Apple TV where you left off on your iPhone. TV OS, again, is how it's being called. That is a lowercase t, lowercase v, uppercase o, uppercase s. And the developer beta is available now. Per the hardware, that is the Apple TV unit. It, as expected, has a 64-bit A8 chip, Bluetooth 4.0. Yes, this has been in the works quite a long time if it's only Bluetooth 4.0. More on that later. Wi-Fi is 802.11ac with MIMO, and it has an IR receiver. I'm guessing the IR receiver is for legacy use with master IR remotes, because they state for control it is Bluetooth and no need to point at the unit. Per the remote, it is also Bluetooth 4.0. Once more, it has the volume control buttons and the Siri button. It has a power button to turn on and off your TV as well. It also has a menu button. As mentioned, it is a motion controller remote with accelerometer and gyroscope and lasts for a full three months per single charge with normal use. And to recharge it, you plug in a lightning plug. I'm guessing you will have a few of those cords laying around somewhere. It does come in two models, 32 gig and 64 gig which are actually double what some were rumoring. And the price is lower than many predicted, although some did get it right. Pricing is just $149 for the 32 gig version and $199 for the 64 gig version, which of course is the one I will be getting. The third gen Apple TV remains at the $69 price point. As I said on the last show, 
don't compare the price of the new Apple TV to a Roku or similar device that is just doing streaming. Uh, this is a game unit and a media device, and the price of this is 149 It was, well, it's below similar devices, not to mention gaming prices will be much lower as well. So, I mean, if you're comparing this to an Xbox 360, this does look like a better deal. It sounded like they said devs could get the hardware today as well. Uh, looking into that as soon, well, I'll, I'll talk about it a little bit later on. Per availability to all the non-devs, it will start rolling out in late October and will be available in 100 countries by the end of 2015. The whole Apple TV segment went on for right at 31 minutes. It only took us eight minutes to go over all of it. I just saved you 23 minutes of your life. You're welcome. Now, let's go over some of the specs or items not specifically covered for the new Apple TV in the keynote. The actual dimensions of the remote, which are 4.88 inches long by 1.5 inches wide and 0.25 inches thick, and it weighs 1.66 ounces. For comparison, the old remote was 4.7 inches long by 1.2 inches wide and 0.2 inches thick. The console itself remains the same 3.9 inches by 3.9 inches, but the thickness of the unit increases from 0.9 inches to 1.3 inches. And it does come with a lightning to USB cable. So actually, when you look at this, you you get another lightning cord that you can use for 89 out of each 90 days. So that's a nice plus. Interestingly, it has a USB-C port, which Apple lists as service only. Oh yeah, jailbreak and Kickstarter in the future, I do see. Wi-Fi is also 802.11abgnac, not just AC as mentioned in the keynote. Per video supported, H.264 video up to 1080p and 60 frames per second, which is nice for good HD video for sports. Per accessibility features, Apple claims the following are included. VoiceOver, zoom, bold text, increased contrast, reduced motion, closed caption, and SDH support, accessibility shortcut. Another item not mentioned is a remote loop sold separately that attaches to the remote to keep it from flying out of your hand or some other klutzy person in your house's holds hand. Kickstarter project for third-party remote straps starting in three, two. Okay. Yeah, plenty of opportunities for Kickstarter and the new Apple TV I can see already. On the last episode, episode 362, I wondered if the new Apple TV would support third-party controllers, and the answer is yes. From Apple, quote, For serious gamers, the new Apple TV supports MiFi-based controllers that let you run, jump, shoot, kick, throw, punch, or just about any other verb you can imagine, unquote. MiFi means made-for-i things. One remote that Apple shows on their site already is the Nimbus SteelSeries controller, This is supposedly going to sell for $50 when available. Yes, the Apple TV 4th Gen looks great. So what is the downside? Other than the extra 50 or 100 bucks, that is? It seems that Apple has put a 200 megabyte limit on Apple TV apps, meaning some of the bigger and more popular apps like Infinity Blade Trilogy series and other graphic-intensive games like that 
running in well, the one gigabyte or more range, they need to be reworked to meet the 200 megabyte limit. Hmm. Apple thinks apps that are 200 megabyte are too big for a device that starts at 32 gig. Oh, I smell hypocrisy coming later in this show. It seems Apple is saying anything beyond 200 megabytes in size needs to be split apart and loaded using on-demand resources. In other words, parts of the apps need to remain in the cloud. Thanks, Apple, for us, the users, for putting more network strain on our internet use and for making devs store crap in the cloud. Another issue is there is not persistent local storage for apps on Apple TV. That means every app developed for Apple TV must be able to store data in the cloud and retrieve it in, quote, a way that provides a great customer experience, unquote. I mean, unlike the great user experience when the data is right there on the device when needed. Okay. I wonder how this is going to work with, say, Minecraft. On the Xbox version, there is a bunch that is saved on the device storage. I hope this is a policy decision Apple soon reverses. I will say this. When looking at the two options, 32 gig or 64 gig, do not let this rule make your decision for you. Eventually, I will see Apple backing off this rule. If you want the best user experience, that means larger apps and local storage. It might not be next year, but at some point, I do see Apple changing their tune on this. That is why I'm getting the 64 gig version when it is available. Okay, I did go and check at the Dev Center about the Apple TV dev kit, and here is what Apple is saying. Quote, we want to give Apple developers the chance to build and test their apps on the new Apple TV before it becomes publicly available to customers later this fall. Register by September 11th, 12 p.m. Pacific time for an opportunity to order an Apple TV dev kit. Availability and supplies are limited. The Apple TV developer kit is provided for you uh, for your own software development activities only. Prior to Apple's commercial release of Apple TV, you agree not to publicly write about it, review, or display the Apple TV developer kit, unquote. Thankfully, there is no restriction listed about talking about the restriction of the offer, um, which will cost, this is going to be steep, devs. I don't know if you're going to be able to afford this. It's going to cost you a buck. Yes, just $1. Kudos, Apple. I think it's safe to say Apple TV is not just a hobby anymore in Apple's mind. Of course, any devs that do get one, calling into the show with your experience anonymously would be something I could never, ever, ever recommend you do. I mean, saying to call 206-666-6364 and to give your feedback, that would be completely wrong of me. And again, not anything I could ever think of because you know, that might mean the next Apple event I would not get an invite to. So yeah, 206-666-6364 is not the number you should call in with your experiences with the new Apple TV. I mean, and if anyone did call into that number, I'm sure I would, I would have to delete any of those recordings of those calls, or at least any evidence of it. Just saying. Speaking of someone that may have been punished by Apple for speaking when they should not have, there is Periscope and Twitter, or from Twitter. Seems there were some rumors in the days leading up to the Apple event that Periscope would have an app for Apple TV, where users could watch Periscope videos. Shockingly, 
there was not a single mention of it at the event, likely because if, and this is a big if, but if they had been invited to speak, that all went out the window when someone on the Periscope team blabbed to TechCrunch. Yes, Apple absolutely would punish anyone with loose lips. And that means no keynote for you. Again, that is all speculation at this point. It is completely possible someone at Periscope simply was conjecturing about the potential of apps for the Apple TV and said they would build those apps if ever possible. <laughs> Who are we kidding? Tim Cook spanked them like a five-year-old that just tried to light the cat on fire. One of our sponsors today is Trunk Club. Visit trunkclub.com TII. Trunk Club takes the hassle out of clothes shopping. What Trunk Club does is a few things. First, they ask you what your style is, what type of fit you like, and what your sizes are. And then they put you in contact with a personal stylist, not a bot, a real person. Mine is Mary. Hi, Mary. Then you talk and discuss what kind of clothes you are looking for, pants or shirts or jackets or whatever, and then you get a trunk sent out to you full of clothes that fit perfectly and look great. And then you get to try them on on your own, in your house, no rush, no pressure, no one generically saying, oh, you look great in that, sir. You get to walk around where you get a real feel for the clothes. I had three different sports coats slash blazers sent in my trunk. All of them looked great and were, well, of course, from the best brands. I then went and tried those on with my different shirts that I already owned. I then was easily able to figure out the one that worked best for me with what I already had and also was different from anything else that I already owned. So now I have a great new sports coat that really complements what I already owned. I am wearing that sports coat here in Cleveland. I wore it at the event, Content Marketing World. Yes, I am officially a Trunk Club customer and it could not have been any easier. I did get a few very positive and nice comments about my new sports coat while at the show. I said thanks and quickly stated that it came from Trunk Club. One thing I really liked about the Trunk Club experience is that I was able to try on the different items and see how they did or did not differ from what I already owned, which was nice as it helps to keep you from buying duplicates. I really can't remember everything I have. Uh, You simply put the items back in the trunk that you don't want. Keep what you like. Send back the rest. There's no pressure to keep anything. No one looking at you as you put the items back in the trunk. No guilt. Folks, this is not a subscription service either. You only get the trunks you ask for. When you're done, they have already included the return shipping label and the tape for the trunk. And they give you a number to call for a quick pickup by UPS All of this can be done without even stepping outside your house. Right now, their entire styling service is free. Even the shipping is free. You only pay for the clothes you keep. To take advantage of this, go right now to trunkclub.com slash TII. Again, that's trunkclub.com slash TII for a trunk filled with great looking and fitting clothes that you are going to love wearing. Thanks, Trunk Club, for sponsoring the show and for helping me look snappy at Content Marketing World. You've heard my thoughts on Apple TV. Now let's go over some listener feedback with regards to the new Apple TV. Hey, Rob, it's your old buddy Kevin Crossman from Fremont, California, with some feedback on the Apple event today. Lots of stuff today. Who would have thought? But in any case, 
Well, I'm sure liking the uh, the new iPhones, of course. And I am impressed by the Apple TV, the, the navigation, the Siri controls, all the additional information. It seems like a great uh, upgrade here, finally, for the Apple TV. It's making my Christmas shopping much harder now with the new colors for the Apple Watch and the new band as well. So overall, I think it was a good event, and I'm quite impressed. Thanks, Kevin, for that feedback, and thanks a little bit more for that feedback than the earlier feedback. Now, we also had some feedback on the TII Google Plus community. Uh, Myron Euchre said the following, quote, Rob gets what he wanted, Apple TV with apps and with Siri and that new remote, unquote. Francisco Tapia said, quote, Apple TV looks awesome, especially that what did they say quick rewind feature, unquote. Stefan Shainer said, quote, I can see why they opted for the Bill Graham Civic Center, unquote. Fazel K said, quote, game console beware, we have a new rival in town, unquote. Jerome Horowitz summed it up nicely. Well, at least for us that were teens in the 80s, quote, I want my Apple TV, unquote. Let's jump into the email bag. Hi, Rob, you are finally right about the Apple TV. I plan on picking up one the day it comes out in October. As for the iPhones, I know that you say that the S updates are usually the bigger updates, but maybe I missed something. I wasn't super pumped about what I saw. I have a 5S right now, and so I'm going to need to decide if I want to get the 6S or wait until next fall. I'm looking forward to the show, and hopefully you can help advise me one way or the other. Regards, Jordan H. Well, Jordan, I think your email was a good segue into the next item to cover on this episode, and that is the new iPhones. For those trying to watch the keynote at home, the iPhone part of the show started at the 83-minute mark. Tim starts off talking about the iPhone growth, which Apple reported to be 3.5 times the rest of the industry's growth worldwide for the last quarter. That is 35% growth for the iPhone versus 10% for the rest of the industry. And when you look at China, it was even more incredible as the iPhone grew 75% last quarter versus 4% decline for the rest of the industry. And yes, that 75% growth, definitely responsible for most, if not all, of the decline for everyone else. And that's growth last quarter versus the year-ago quarter. Tim said that the iPhone 6 is the most popular iPhone ever. Tim then introduced the new iPhone 6S and 6S Plus, the names of which were a surprise to exactly one person who happens to live in Albania. For everyone else, it was as expected for the name and for many of the new specs. Like the fact there is a rose gold colored unit and that the aluminum used is a 7000 series that is also used in the aerospace industry. Nope, not a reaction at all to Bendagate. As expected, the addition of Force Touch, oh wait, nope, 3D Touch, which is Force Touch with a new name. There will also be a big taptic engine supporting Force, I mean 3D Touch. Apple made a big deal about this new feature. I will not. I think we have covered it with the Apple Watch a couple times at least. Apple also announced that there's new glass on the front of the iPhones, a dual ion exchange glass, which Apple claims is the toughest glass available. This was a rumor that popped up some time ago. So I guess whoever had that rumor out there got it right. As expected, the new iPhones will have the A9 processor, which compared to the A8 processor in the iPhone 6 and 6 Plus, 
be a 9 in the 6s and 6 plus. 6s and 6s plus is 70% faster for CPU processing and for graphics tasks, it is 90% faster. So it is very nice increase in speed. It is also a more energy efficient processor. Apple is claiming it is the most advanced chip in a smartphone ever. Shocker. The M9 coprocessor, which used to be a standalone device, is now built directly into the A9 chip. This means now you no longer need to have your iPhone plugged in to ask her H-E-Y Siri. It will work all the time, plugged in or not. For future iPhone 6S and 6S Plus users, this is my blanket apology for all the times I say H-E-Y Siri and I forget to spell out the H-E-Y part. They also updated the Touch ID sensor. It is supposed to be twice as fast. Apple also announced the 12 megapixel rear camera, which they talk about doing the higher megapixel camera, but not by degrading the sensors. They talked about deep trench separation, which we're all supposed to get as our takeaway from the presentation. Essentially, they tried to go into detail on why their 12 megapixel sensor is better than other people's 12 megapixel sensors because you know the last couple of years it was all about mentioning that higher megapixels don't count, uh, don't mean better pictures. But now that they have higher megapixels, it does mean better pictures. Not that I'm pointing out anything there. The camera lens is not flush, which most likely means the module is not the Lynx camera module, which means when I am spending money this fall, it will not be on the new iPhone. Sorry. Apple TV, absolutely, 100% yes. Love the new Apple TV. The new iPhones do finally allow for 4K video recording. The front camera, or the FaceTime camera, whatever you want to call it, was also updated as expected and is now a 5 megapixel HD camera and also is rumored it now uses the screen as a flash for the FaceTime camera, including doing it as a true tone flash. They did engineer it to light up to three times brighter than normal when using it as a FaceTime flash. Apple also said it works great with one-handed operation, especially when using those FaceTime photos for Snapchat. Okay, well, maybe they didn't say those exact words. The panorama pic increased to a max of 63 megapixels from 43 megapixels before. One new feature that nobody predicted, and there always is one of those, is a live photos feature. It's where you take a photo and it takes 1.5 seconds before and 1.5 seconds after of video and sound. You do nothing different, you just take a photo. And if you have the live photos option selected, which it is by default, it captures the before and after moments around that photo. It is a neat feature, but it does take up a little bit more storage. They have uh, developer APIs for this, and the Facebook uh, app, for example, will support live photos later this year. No word on when Snapchat or Tinder will be supporting this. By the way, fully expect the pie-in-the-face meme to start in, well probably about two minutes after the first iPhone is delivered. Apple upgraded LTE again. It is now twice as fast as before, supporting up to 300 megabits per second speeds, assuming you have one or two of the carriers in the world that actually support that now. They now also support 23 bands of LTE. 
the most LTE bands of any smartphone in the world, making it the best traveler global smartphone. Wi-Fi is faster as well, two times faster than before, supporting up to 866 megabits per second speed. So a quick little recap of some of those specs. 4K video recording, 64 megapixel panoramic pics, 12 megapixel pics, and live photo pics to boot. All of this adds up to a lot more storage needed for your photos and videos. So naturally, that means Apple finally has killed off the 16 gigabit low-end option. <laughs> no. Apple, once again, well, they have, as the entry level for the next-gen iPhone, 16 gigabytes. That's right. 64 gig is the top is is the midsize, and then the top size is 128 gig for both the 6S and the 6S Plus. So same storage options as the 6 and the 6 Plus. Pricing is also the same as the past Gen 6 and 6 Plus, of, of course, the same storage sizes. The iPhone 6 and 6 Plus now move to the mid-tier of the phones and are now $100 less for each than they were previously. And the iPhone 5S becomes the free option for those getting them with a carrier subsidy in the U.S. 5C is the version that was killed off, now sleeping with the fishes. Also killed off was the gold iPhone 6 and 6 Plus and the 5S. That's correct. The 5S, the 6, and the 6 Plus are now only available in silver and space gray. The 6S and the 6S Plus are available in silver, space gray, along with gold and rose gold. Apple also introduced their own iPhone upgrade program available from Apple Retail in the U.S. It starts at $32 a month. You choose your carrier and you get an unlocked iPhone, including Apple Care Plus, and you can then upgrade your phone every year. This means you hand over your device to get the new one each year. Again, this is starting at $32 a month. More info on this on a later episode, as it could take some time to work out all the details and the T's and C's. Okay, let's talk pre-orders. They start this Saturday, September 12th, likely at 12.01 a.m. Pacific Time, 3.01 a.m. Eastern Time. If you are going to be pre-ordering, remember to have your Apple Store app installed on your iOS device. And that is typically where we have seen pre-orders start first. Also have the website up on your computer, just in case. And you should have it ready prior to 12.01 going into the Saturday morning. So Friday evening, earlier in the evening, make sure you have the Apple Store app installed and all your info in there. Now, while you can order on the 12th or pre-order on the 12th, you will not get said device until September 25th at the earliest not the oft-rumored September 18th. So the rumors and speculation around September 11th pre-order, September 18th launch date were wrong. For the countries where the new iPhone will be available at launch, the lucky winners are Australia, Canada, China, France, Germany, Hong Kong, Japan, New Zealand, Puerto Rico, Singapore, United Kingdom, and the United States. By the end of 2015, the iPhone 6S and 6S Plus will be available in over 130 countries on over 400 carriers. Some of the other minor spec changes for the S series are the following. The depth on the 6S increased 
to 0.28 inches from 0.27 inches. The depth on the 6S Plus increased to 0.29 inches from 0.28 inches. The height increased to 6.23 inches from 6.22 inches on the 6S Plus. The width increased to 3.07 inches from 3.06 inches. Interestingly, the 6S had the same height and width as the 6. The weight did change on both. The 6S increased to 5.04 ounces from 4.55 ounces, and the 6S Plus increased to 6.77 ounces from 6.07 ounces. The S series is now Bluetooth 4.2, not 4.1 as I had speculated, and not the 4.0 that is the non-S series. The 4K video recording is at 30 frames per second for both the S series units, and the iPhone 6S Plus now also supports optical image stabilization for video recording. There is now stabilization with time-lapse video because, yeah, we all know how annoying non-stabilized time-lapse videos can be. When you are recording 4K videos, you can take an 8 megapixel still. With video, there is now playback zoom. On the FaceTime camera, the video recording is just 720p HD video. The rumor was it was going to be 1080p video. Per battery life, there is no difference in the specs for the 6S versus the 6, nor is there any difference between the 6S Plus versus the 6 Plus. All specs are identical to previous gen. That actually surprised me. I mean, what are the chances the specs with the new processor and the other changes would be identical specs. Hmm, cooking the books a little, are we? Nah, that'd be wrong. So what were some of your thoughts on the new iPhones? Well, here's some thoughts that we, we had in the Google Plus community from Francisco Tapia from Google Plus. Quote, Force Touch renamed to 3D Touch. Looks very interesting. Parallax menus feature, which looks awesome on the screen, but what does it look like when it is disabled? Wow, I think I like the Force Touch to swipe between apps without the home button. 70% faster CPU, 90% faster GPU, drool, unquote. From Myron Euchre, quote, live photos. It reminds me of the newspapers in the Harry Potter movies, unquote. From Lassie Fredrickson, quote, upgrading from 6 to 6S for one single reason. The new eyesight camera, unquote. From Karthik M, quote, 16 gigabit iPhone? Seriously? This is the problem with Apple. Sometimes they can be evil, unquote. Karthik, I am also disappointed with the 16 gig min spec. I wouldn't say evil. Definitely greedy, though. But not evil. Evil's when you don't offer up upgrades to new versions of the OS or sell off your users' data. Just saying. Hi Rob, I know you are getting a ton of email today, but I did not notice a difference in the phones this time. Did they mention if the Plus has anything over the 4.7 other than screen battery? I have a 6 Plus and may go to the 6S if, if they're the same this time with regards to battery. Regards, Dan. Well, Dan, my thoughts on the new iPhone 6S and 6S Plus, again, I'll not be upgrading. My 6 Plus is fine for me. If you are sitting on a 5S or earlier, 
then I would recommend upgrading. But for a six and a six plus owners, I can't justify it at this time. Not for most. For the battery life, there is still a big advantage in the battery life for the plus series versus the non plus series. So if you go for the six plus, I'm going for the six plus to the six S, you will get a hit, a big hit in battery life. The six S plus, as I mentioned, is identical to the six plus for battery life. And both are better than the six and the six S, which again, those two are identical or simply put, if you want the best battery life, stick with the plus version, not the non plus version. One additional spec that kind of has been confirmed by a third party that uh, got hands on one of the iPhone successes and success pluses at the event uh, is, and is that the new devices do have two gigabytes of RAM. I think, well, I think we're going to need to wait until I fix it, rips it apart to really confirm that and put that in as a check mark in the bingo card. But it looks like right now at least that both of these devices do have two gigabyte of RAM. Okay, early in this segment, it was started by, hey, Rob, what does the S stand for? I think it stands for seriously with the question mark at the end, as in seriously, 16 gig, seriously, Apple? That's what I'm thinking the S stands for. What are your thoughts on what the S stands for? 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOON-DOG or send an email to todayinios at gmail.com. Thanks goes out to our other sponsor today, and that is nextworth.com, where if you use promo code TII, you'll get a $10 bonus on any iPhone 5, 5C, 5S, 6, and 6 Plus that you sell to them. Offer expires on September 30th, 2015. Nextworth sent me over some interesting stats showing the number of trade-ins around each launch, what they showed is that the average selling price of old devices in September versus October, November, and December, and in a nutshell, there is a big, big drop in prices in October and November, with prices flattening out in December. Point is, prices are going to keep dropping from here on out, so go to nextworth.com now, get your price locked in for the next 30 days. That's right. Nextworth locks in you today at today's price for 30 days, meaning when your new shiny iPhone 6S or 6S Plus finally arrives, you get today's price, not a price 10 to 25% less come 30 days from now, but today's price. And based on past year's trends, that 10 to 25% easy, easily be more towards a 25% less than current price. Again, you get the price from today, not the lower price 30 days from now. And as a TII listener, you get a $10 bonus added to your offer price on your iPhone when you use promo code TII, but you need to use this promo code between now and September 30th. Using their service is simple and painless and can be done from your home. Even the printing of the prepaid UPS shipping label is automatically generated for you so you can send your iPhone or other devices at no cost to you. And with Nextworth, you are dealing with a company that uh, since 2006 has had an A plus rating from the Better Business Bureau. So don't worry about some guy you met online via Craigslist to sell your phone to trying to rob you in a parking lot. 
Just get your offer now, and within the next 30 days, ship off your old iPhone from the safety and comfort of your home. And once again, using the promo code TII at nextworth.com will get you a $10 bonus on your iPhone trade-in when you lock in that price between now and September 30th. Thanks, Nextworth, for sponsoring this show. I want to jump back in the presentation and now talk about the iPad Pro. Yes, it was introduced. Yes, as rumored, it will not launch until November. Yes, I was wrong about it being introduced. I'm going to go quickly over the specs now as we, well, we're going to have a long time to go over it in detail before it actually launches since it's not going to be launching for two months. But first, I need to read this cartoon that was written by Joel Watson back in 2012. So three years ago, this cartoon was written. I have a link to this in the show notes titled, A Comic Predicted Apple Inventing MS Surface Three Years Ago. Not safe for work, but I'll filter it here as I read it. In the first frame, it shows Steve Ballmer holding the Surface and saying, quote, we call it the Surface, unquote. Then someone in the audience yells, boo, and says, your iPad sucks. And then Ballmer says, it's not an iPad, it's a Surface. And then someone yells, Suck my surface, uh, the surface of my redacted. The next frame, it shows Bomber saying, it has a kickstand and a cup holder. The audience says, your iPad still sucks. Bomber drops an F-bomb and says, we have a darn keyboard right in the cover. In three years, when Apple copies this, you redacted will think it is genius. Then someone says, do the monkey dance. The last frame says, WWDC 2015, and it shows Tim Cook holding up what looks like the iPad Pro saying, we call it the smart cover touch, and we think you're going to love it. Then someone yells out, you invented that? And Tim Cook replies, yes, yes, we did. Pretty darn accurate, Mr. Watson. Missed the timing by a scant three months. Okay, now let's go over what was announced today at the Apple event with regards to the iPad Pro. And it is called the iPad Pro, predicted by many, at least many not named Rob or Ken, and that have a podcast about the iPhone or Mac. Um, and it was in the introduction again of the iPad Pro, and it is, as expected, a 12.9-inch iPad. Again, I question why this was announced now, but whatever. I'm kind of over it, sort of. You know, if you don't ask me about it and don't remind me about it, I'm kind of over it. Anyway, let's get into the specs. First, there are three versions. Wi-Fi only, 32 gig storage. A Wi-Fi only, 128 gig version. And then a Wi-Fi and cellular, 128 gig version. Pricing for all three are $799, $949, and $1079 respectively. The size of the unit is 12 inches by 8.68 inches by 0.27 inches, and it weighs in at 1.57 pounds. That's pretty darn close to the original weight of the iPad, the first gen iPad, which came in at 1.54 pounds. For the size of the screen, to put it in perspective, the original iPad and the iPad Air 2 are the same height for their screen as the iPad Pro is wide. Resolution of the screen is, well, it's still a 264 pixels per inch resolution. That's the same as the iPad Air 2. So, yes, Retina. It has 
the A9X processor with the M9 coprocessor built in. It is sporting Bluetooth 4.2. Battery life is the same as all the other current iPads, which are all listed as following. So this is true. All five iPads that are for sale right now, iPad Pro, iPad Air 2, iPad Air, iPad Mini 4, and iPad Mini 2, I think. All five of the iPads that are listed on the Apple website all have the exact same battery life. Yeah, I'll buy that for a dollar. Anyway, here's what they're listed as. Up to 10 hours of surfing the web on Wi-Fi, watching video, or listening to music. Or up to 9 hours of surfing the web using cellular data network. That's it. That's the battery specs. Otherwise, all the specs are the same for the iPad Pro as they are for the iPad Air 2, with the following, well, kind of exceptions for brand new features. Um, One, there is now four built-in stereo speakers, two at the top, two at the bottom. Yay! And the crowd goes wild. It's about time. There is also a new smart uh, cover. This is for, or a smart connector, and this is for connecting to the new smart keyboard. Or as Apple says, quote, the smart connector is a new interface that takes advantage of the two-way conductive fabric in the smart keyboard. It allows iPad Pro to provide power to the smart keyboard and lets the smart keyboard relay each of your keystrokes back to the iPad Pro. Using the smart connector couldn't be easier. Simply align the smart keyboard to the iPad Pro just as you would with a smart cover and start typing. Now there's even less distance between you and what's on your mind and what's on the display, unquote. The new smart keyboard will run you $129 extra. It connects to the iPad magnetically and via inductive connections. There is no battery or on-off switch. It just works when connected. Yes, yes, that does sound a lot, okay, almost identical, yes, actually identical to the Surface and its keyboard connection. The other thing that was introduced with the iPad Pro was also rumored, and that is a new stylus, and it's called the Apple Pencil. It'll run you $99. One cool feature is that to recharge it, you plug it into the lightning port. So you take off the back of the pen, and there's a lightning connector, uh, the male one, and then you plug it into the female port in your iPad. They say the full charge lasts 12 hours, and simply 15 seconds of charging it will last 30 minutes. To sum this up, let's say you get the top of the line iPad Pro Wi-Fi, that's 128 gig version, and you get the keyboard and the Apple Pencil, it's gonna set you back $1,177. So let's go over some feedback from listeners on this. From Myron Euchre, quote, 12.9 inch screen on the iPad Pro. Width of the iPad Pro is same as height of the iPad Air. Size and performance are great. Give me external storage and now a connected keyboard to go with it. Sounds like they are targeting Microsoft Surface. Apple Pencil? Question mark. Okay, I guess I can get behind that name for the stylus. I wonder if other third-party styli can work as well as the Apple Pencil. They haven't worked well on the iPad Air, too. They don't say if it's Bluetooth like the rest and haven't said if it'll work on the iPads other than the Pro, unquote. I'm Iron. The Apple Pencil and the Smart Keyboard are designed specifically and only at this time for the iPad Pro. They will not work with any other iPads in the Apple lineup today. Maybe, and likely in the future, the iPad Air, the next gen of it, 
will support the Apple Pencil, but for now, just the Pro. From Fissel K, quote, iPad Pro don't look portable anymore. Four speaker audio system, beautiful, unquote. From Stephen Channer, quote, looks like no battery sacrifice and four stereo audio, unquote. From Melissa Dorner, quote, combo of pencil and iPad Pro could be used like a Wacom input device, unquote. From Nick Brown, quote, I can't believe they made a stylus. That's just sad, unquote. And from Francisco Tapia, quote, so they haven't said how they solved the problem of carrying the new stylus with the iPad Pro, unquote. Francisco, great question. And the only answer I could find was Kickstarter. And by fine, I mean make up. Expect to see Kickstarter projects for this and how to store and connect and have your, you know, it's going to be something that's going to connect to the case, um, the, the cover, I would imagine, for the pencil. Or you could put it in your pocket. Also deserving a little bit of mention, the iPad mini fourth gen was introed as well, kind of, basically, sort of. And it, it's basically the same specs as the iPad Air now, performance-wise. Uh, it's now bumped up to the A8 processor, not the A8X, but um, otherwise pretty much the same specs. The iPad Air 2, they didn't say it was upgraded. However, it is now showing Bluetooth 4.2, where it used to say Bluetooth 4.0. Possibly it's a typo. That, or it was a very, very minor tweak. Okay, and that wraps up the iPad Pro overview for this episode. Again, we've got two months to go over the iPad Pro. Send in your feedback, give us a call, let us know what your thoughts are on the iPad Pro. There was a slight announcement at the beginning of the presentation with regards to the Apple Watch. There are now gold and rose gold anodized aluminum Apple Watches available. So that means you've got the four colors, silver, space gray, gold, and the rose gold anodized aluminum Apple Watches. And there are a few (laughs) new straps. Excuse me there while I yawn. I'm sure that's more about the time of night it is and the lack of sleep than anything about any lack of excitement about the updates to the straps. And that was sarcasm, just in case you didn't know what sarcasm for me sounds like. Here's some more thoughts on the keynote from uh, September 9th from the Google Plus community. This from Brendan Finnerty, who wrote, quote, in general, it seemed a bit rushed, so much to fill in two hours that some important stuff was missed. For example, Schiller's example of why they increased megapixels on the iPhone. I felt he wanted to dive deeper, but couldn't. I assume the new camera tech dual lens stuff is not on the new iPhone. There was also the new Apple TV. It looks nice, really nice. The universal search feature with app support is a home run. Wish the TV subscription service was ready. The new Apple TV with the new streaming service would have been a true game changer. And I might buy the new 6S just on the new live photos feature alone. So how long until Sammy copies Force Touch? Unquote. From Timmy T, quote, so for the first time in four years, I was off work and had the opportunity to watch the keynote today. Of all the years to be able to watch the keynote, this was by far the best. In my opinion, this may very well be one of the biggest releases of hardware ever. Also worth noting was I found it interesting that the Microsoft participation in, uh, participated in the keynote 
given the fact that the iPad Pro virtually placed the last nail in the Microsoft Surface coffin, unquote. One thing we've not mentioned yet is iOS 9. Well, it will be launched as expected live to everyone on September 16th. Please, please, please do not update it on the 16th or the 17th or even the 18th. Wait, wait, wait. Especially if you listen to podcasts and use the podcast app. Do not upgrade to iOS 9.0. Wait at least 10 days before you upgrade, if then. Let Apple work out any issues first. By the way, Apple did release the gold master of iOS 9 to the devs. Again, folks, if you are at iOS 8.4.1 or earlier, please don't upgrade on the 16th. Let's see what happens first for the masses. I'm not even going to go over my recommended update procedure. As I really think everyone needs to wait on the upgrade for at least 10 days this time. Um, Especially if you need your iPhone for work. For devs, however, you have two choices. iOS 9 Goldmaster is now available. Or you can skip jail and go directly to iOS 9.1 Beta 1, which was also made available to the devs on September 9th. More about these on future episodes. Apple also announced changes to the iCloud storage plans. Previously, it was 20 gig for 99 cents a month, 200 gig for 399, 500 gig for 999, and one terabyte for 1999 a month. The new prices are 50 gig for 99 cents a month. You get an extra 30 gig there. 200 gig for 299 a month. That drops a buck for you. And one terabyte for 999 a month. And that drops $10 for a month for you. The 5 gig is still free. And that, well, that didn't change. Here's some more feedback from listeners. Hi, Rob. You did a great job on the bingo card. Congrats on getting a bit right on the Apple TV. 12-pix camera, A9 chip we're talked about. Also the multi-touch feature in the new iPhone and iPads. Two iPads were announced, the Pro and the Mini 4, uh, new versions, and Apple Watch and several new bands. No real mention of iOS 9. Regards, Melissa. Hi, Rob. I am so happy you were so wrong about the 9.9 Apple event. I listened to your latest podcast, episode 362 this morning, and the three tiers you placed all of the rumors Thankfully for all of us, you underestimated this event. In all honesty, I did as well. While I wish the Apple TV would be more developed and enable me to truly cut the cable cord, I was not only impressed with the significant refresh, but I was also impressed with the iPhone 6S and 6S Plus upgrades, as well as the new iPad Pro. Yes, you were right about most of the rumors, but the iPad Pro rumor impressed me the most. As I was watching the live event, I thought that the iPad Pro would only be truly advanced if it solved the physical keyboard case issue, as well as the incorporation of a good stylus to make the iPad a better content creation device and workhorse tool. I would have never considered buying a new bigger screen iPad, but these new accessories make it much more compelling. I am glad to be an Apple investor on a day like today, where they have once again proven to be a mighty force in technology, and the stock price fell by $2.16 to $110.15. Analysts will try to poke holes in Apple, but this by far is one of the most impressive product launches I've seen in years. Time to buy more Apple stock. Regards, Paul in Bend, Oregon. I would normally go over the bingo card, but I will wait until the next episode as I want to get this episode out tonight. 
some of you have a decision to make tomorrow about pre-ordering the iPhone 6S or 6S Plus. And this has been delayed enough due to my travels getting this episode out. I do apologize. It is a day late. The next voice message, uh, mail message here I'm going to play was called in prior to the new Apple TV being announced. So again, I'm going to play this message here from Justin, and he sent this in prior to 9-9. So just keep that in mind as you hear it. Hello, Rob. This is Justin from Pennsylvania. I'm going to call in response to your um, past couple of weeks you've been talking about the Apple TV becoming, you know, this gaming box. And I just want to say that I am a, um, just let you know, I'm a gamer. I, I have a PS4. I have a Wii U. Um, so I am very much playing these games. And I really just can't see Apple breaking into that market. Number one, Nintendo is having trouble competing in that market. And they um, nearly created the market. And Apple just will never put the effort it takes to be a great gaming company. They they don't they don't support it enough. And on top of it all, they are going to be comp- competing against two boxes that now are two years old, but I guarantee you are going to have more robust insides as far as you know the chipsets that they have. And there's no way the Apple TV is going to come close to that, especially at the price points you're talking about. And if they do go to the same price, then they have to have those games. They have to have your Arkham Knights, your Metal Gear Solids, stuff like that. Stuff that they're just not going to get. I mean, they barely get that stuff on the Mac. So, I mean, I just can't see those big publishers jumping ship to Apple, especially when there's that 30% cut. And, you know, other game companies, I don't know what their cut is. It's not really public. But I don't think it's 30%. And um, games are really expensive to make. And I just can't see Apple ever doing well in this market. Now, I'm willing to be proven wrong, but games are a very specific thing. And I think if you don't, and gamers don't like the idea of being um, put off to the side when it comes to their business. Like if Sony, when Sony sometimes made, had made some mistakes thinking gamers would always be Sony customers, they jumped to Microsoft. And then when Microsoft did the same thing, gamers jumped back to Sony. So there is an opportunity for Apple to grab gamers but they got to get the games. And I that's just not going to happen. Not the way Apple runs their business. The publishers want to keep as much money, especially with the in, you know, indie gaming. That's the only thing I could see doing well there are those smaller games where the people are small studios. Those are great games, but they do not replace an Xbox or a PS4. I don't know. I'm, I'd be happy to be proven wrong. I'd love to see Apple's great UI brought to games. I just don't think they care enough about it. I think... Their heart lies other places, and I think music and games are just something was a happy accident that they're able to make so much money on their mobile devices. But I don't think they have any interest in making it more than a mobile, you know, a mobile thing. So, all right, thank you very much, Rob. I appreciate it, and I just kind of wanted to just put a little gaming perspective on this, since very often I feel like you're very tech focused, but um, and I know you know about games and you talk about them now and then, but when you play them as a hobby, as a main hobby, you realize, you know, PC, Xbox, PS4. That's where play. That's where people play serious games, not on iOS devices or a set-top box that is mostly trying to serve you Netflix. All right. Thank you very much, Rob. Have a great day. Thank you very much. Bye. Justin, thanks for the feedback. I don't think Apple was ever planning or intending to go after. PS4 or the Xbox One. 
or, you know, or the top of the line gaming systems. Apple's target audience here isn't the serious gamer. It isn't the low elo. It's the casual gamer. It's the everyday person. They're looking for someone that casually or occasionally plays games and watches Netflix and checks HBO Now. Not the full-time gamer, not the person that's up till four in the morning pounding down five-hour energy drinks just to keep going. That's not their audience here. Their audience is the everyday person. It's the big part of the bell curve. Thanks to Jacoby for the heads up on this. Tell me a haiku. Five syllables here. Seven more syllables here. Five more syllables. Tell me a haiku. Haiku can be fun, but sometimes they don't make sense. Hippopotamus. Tell me a haiku. All day and all night, I have listened as you spoke. Charge my battery. Tell me a haiku. You rarely ask me what I want to do today. Hint, it's not haiku. Tell me a haiku. All right, I'll oblige. After all, haiku sure beats. Stupid woodchuck jokes. Tell me a haiku. There once was a man from Nantucket. No way that is a limerick. Well, they did say in the keynote that Siri was getting a little sassy. I think that's probably a good place to stop right there. Thanks again to Trunk Club for sponsoring this episode. Right now, their entire styling service is free. Even the shopping service is free. You only pay for the clothes you keep. To take advantage, go right now to trunkclub.com slash TII. Again, that is trunkclub.com slash TII for a trunk filled with great looking and fitting clothes that you are going to love wearing. And before we go today, I want to remind me, send in your feedback to the show, 206-666-6364. It's 206-MOONDOG, or record your feedback and email it into the show at todayinios at gmail.com. I know we say how it can be about this or that, but let's talk about all the new stuff that was announced or not announced in your mind. What did you think of the Apple event? Good or bad? Let me know your thoughts. Are you buying products? If so, which ones? If you're not buying, why are you not buying? I know this was a, this was an, an event, a very packed event. The, how packed was this event? Apple didn't have their traditional commercial at the beginning. They didn't have any stats about anything at the beginning. They went right into product and they ran over two hours. It was a full event. Also, folks, don't forget to go to our Google Plus community. That's a very moderated, heavily moderated Google Plus community by going to todayinios.com slash community. There were over 100 posts in the Google Plus community on the post for the September 9th event. Thanks to everyone that participated in that. Sorry I wasn't there, folks. I couldn't get internet access on the show floor to get to Google Plus to see what was going on. It was, it was frustrating. Thanks again to Nextworth for sponsoring this episode. Please go to nextworth.com and get a $10 bonus on your trade-in when you enter the code TII. That's nextworth.com and enter the coupon code TII to get $10 listener bonus for any iPhone 5 or later device. Thanks, Nextworth, for sponsoring the show. Finally, there is the TII app, which is free to you. Search for TII in the iTunes App Store. It is the best way to consume the show and to get push notifications each time a new episode of TII is released. It's fully voiceover friendly, of course. Please Go right now and download the TII app. And did I mention it is free? And that, folks, is going to do it for us today. Until the next time, I'm your host, Rob, from Today in iOS, reminding you to phone different.
This show is hosted on Lipson.com and part of the Wizard Media Network. If you are looking for hosting, go to Lipson.com, that's L-I-B-S-Y-N.com, for hosting for your podcast and for creation of your own smartphone app. The Today in iOS podcast can also be found on the free Stitcher radio app. Just search for T-I-I.